Hello, my good friends, fellow Catholics, evangelical Christians, Orthodox Christians. This is the Informed Catholic, and my name is Ned Jabbar. So, um, for this episode, we're going to catch up with some um, news. Basically, I guess you can be updated what's going on. I have several articles I want to share with you. Uh, so this is going to be episode 35 of the Informed Catholic. I want to welcome everybody. Once again, please subscribe and share to my podcast. Uh, this is where we're going to go through some articles. So um, let's start with this, uh, an Our Father and then a St. Michael prayer. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. And we'll say a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And now we will ask for the intercession of St. Michael, the Archangel. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. St. Joseph, Guardian of the Holy Family and guardian of the church and terror of demons, pray for us. St. Peter, first pope, pray for us. St. Paul, evangelist to the Gentiles, pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, some of you, I guess, who may not be Catholic might be interested to know about why the St. Michael prayer. Well, the St. Michael prayer was actually, um, uh, it's basically a prayer of exorcism because we believe uh, that all the angels and saints are brothers and sisters in heaven. Just like you ask people here on earth to pray for you, they can pray for you. If you read the book of Revelation, they do. And if you listen to the book of Hebrews, uh, letter of the Hebrews, I always say book of Hebrews, but letter of the Hebrews, we are surrounded by a, uh, a cloud of witnesses and they do intercede for us. And if you remember when our Lord, um, the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appeared and they were, con they were concerned about his mission of how he was going to accomplish his mission. So yes, they do intercede for us. They, they, they pray for us. So realize this, you know, the, they're not dead. Remember he is the God of the living. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is the God of the living, not the dead. They are alive and they're there in heaven and they do intercede. So, um, just realize scripture does not contradict. So anyway, let's, let's begin with this article here. This is an article from crisis magazine. Um, it's by believe by uh, the person's name. I'm, I'm sorry if I mispronounce it. Declan Larry, uh, Supich, Cardinal Supich Gomez spat reveals divide in USCCB. Okay. Well, let's, let's look at this. Uh, what it says here. This is from January 22nd, 2021. Cardinal Supich was not happy on Wednesday. Uh, he probably should have been. After all, the end of the Trump presidency was supposed to be a joyous day for um, for den denzines of the left like Supich. I guess den um, I guess I, I'll call them Trump never Trumpers. I guess. Um, like Supich, but the celebration was spoiled for the most vocal of the USCCB's left-wing bishops, our Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles. Supich went into a tirade on Twitter, calling 
an ill-considered statement on the day of President Biden's inauguration. According to Cardinal Supich, it was issued without the customary collegial consolidation of the USCCB Administrative Committee by Gomez. Gomez, okay, let me see if there's a, a little bit of um. There's a there's a audio a, audio here. Let's see. Cupich slash Gomez spat reveals divide in USCCB. Cardinal Cupich was not happy on Wednesday. He probably should have been. After all, the end of the Trump presidency was supposed to be a joyous day for denizens of the left like Cupich. But the celebration was spoiled for the most vocal of the USCCB's left-wing bishops because of a statement issued by USCCB President Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles. Cupich went into a tirade on Twitter calling it an ill-considered statement on the day of President Biden's inauguration. All right, this is basically what I'm reading. <laughs> but uh, let's go on. Okay. Let me just explain. Gomez is acknowledging some of Biden's uh, extremely um, stances like abortion, gay marriage, and uh, other transgender things that are contradictory to Catholic teaching. Um, but if you talk, if you listen to uh, Michael Voris and what he said in one of his um, uh, vortex, he points out that Gomez is, is not is not that conservative either. I mean, in Los Angeles, there's a lot of crazy things that go on in the in the parishes there. You know, they have the. This is uh, sort of like an L.A. Uh, sort of like crazy uh, convention that they hold. There's a lot of there's a lot of left leaning Catholics there that, in a sense, dominate. There's a liturgical dances, and there's priests talking about gay marriages and stuff like that. There's a lot. A lot of bishops have stayed quiet. As I said before, in many, many situations, they've stayed quiet. They have never went out of their way to support the pro-life movement. They never raised money. They never, they never set up offices. They never do any of those things. It's like almost like let's let's be pro-life, but let's do it like let's keep it in the back. But meanwhile, in the front, they're 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 being very, 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 very political. Like they're trying to appease the Democrats. And someone said there's a, a almost like a constant. Uh, one bishop said, that unfortunately, with a lot of a lot of the bishops, they're sort of like, like like a nice approach. Like maybe if we're nice to him, he won't do it. They don't want to take the very front line approach. No. I mean, look at it. Walton Gregory won't stop Biden from receiving Holy Communion, which is what what does it say to you what he believes about Holy Communion? Anyway, let's continue with the article. The statement from Archbishop Gomez opens with an assurance that the prelate's prayers are with our new president and his family. If anything, the tone may be a bit too amiable for some. But this is entirely appropriate. We should be praying for Joe Biden. We must pray for Joe Biden. He needs it. Okay. Um, I don't like him, but I will say prayer. Of course, it's not a call to prayer that Cardinal Subic finds upsetting. It's the reason why Joe Biden needs our prayers, especially, or rather, the USCCB's acknowledgement of it that merits the Cardinal's objection in, Bish in Archbishop Gomez's words. I must point out that there are that our new president has pledged to pursue certain policies that would advance moral evils and threaten human life and dignity, most seriously in the areas of abortion, contraception, marriage, and gender. Of deep concern is the liberty of the church and the freedom of believers to live according to their conscience. All things considered, this is pretty. Uh, vanilla. <laughs> I love this guy. Yet Episcopal response to I may actually I'm, I don't know. It might be a woman who write this Episcopal response to the statements were apparently split down philosophical lines with noted conservative Archbishop Alexander sample joining Hartley in the Archbishop Gomez message and adding an exhortation of his own. 
as we face the moral, social, and political challenges ahead for our nation. I encourage all Catholics to pray for our new president. May the Holy Spirit inspire in his heart a desire and a resolve to serve in the spirit of the gospel. With a special concern for the most vulnerable among us, including the child in the womb, may God bless this great land with justice, peace, and love. Okay. There shouldn't be much for Cardinal Supich to object to here. In fact, there's nothing for any faithful Catholic to object to in either to uh, in either Archbishop Samples' comment or Archbishop Gomez' uh, original statement. When the Emperor Theodosius, a faithful Catholic who made Rome officially Christian, well, it was actually Cardinal. Uh, well, yeah, he did make Rome. Uh, it was uh, Emperor Constantine who gave Christians permission to come out. All right. So Supich does does one doesn't want to doesn't want to talk about it. Supich basically Supich doesn't want to talk about the abortion issue. He doesn't want to talk about he doesn't want them to talk about the transgender issue. He wants them to overlook it. He basically doesn't want he doesn't want any opposition, even a slight little one, to be mentioned. He's very much to the left. He doesn't want to talk about abortion. He doesn't want to talk about the gay marriage issue. He doesn't want to acknowledge it. He doesn't want Catholics to make and rock the boat at all. That's what Supich's problem is. And he's angry with Gomez, but Gomez is Gomez and the other bishops have been quiet about many things for years. They've been I mean the the the, the bishops hardly ever support the pro-life uh issue at all. So, you know, it's kind of like they know they're losing ground with lay Catholics like ourselves. A lot of lay Catholics can see right through them. And they know that the the liberal Catholic is basically doesn't add up to anything in the church. They're losing a lot of young people. A lot of young people either are leaving the church or a lot of them are going are going off and becoming either Protestants or a lot of them are not are giving up Christianity, becoming nons. The nons is the biggest growing, uh, uh, you know, group in the country. They don't work. They don't practice any religion. But there's a lot of young Catholics who are heading towards the Latin rite, and they know they 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 they're transparent. They know that they're hypocritical. They know they we see the hypocrisy in them. All right, when Emperor Theodosius, a faithful Catholic who made Rome officially Christian, ordered the slaughter of 7,000 innocents in the in the Thessalonica in, in Thessalonica, St. Ambrose, Archbishop of Milan, where the imperial court was then in, situated, rebuked the emperor, requiring 8 months of public penance and denying communion to the penitent in, until it was complete. Tradition, tradition has imagined a, a physical encounter in which the saint bars Theodosius from the church, depicted in paintings by Rubens, Van Dyck, yet the 7,000 of Thessalonians, Thessalonica are slaughtered every two days under a regime that Biden is more than happy to perpetuate, meaning he's talking about the abortion here that in fact he now has more power over than any one individual. A strongly worded criticism is the absolute least we can expect from a letter a, a letter day a latter day Ambrose. They're not they're they're not one not one single one of these men can can fill, uh, can fit into the shoes of Saint Ambrose, trust me. Ambrose pointed out to the emperor that he was wrong. Something happened. I'm not exactly sure the history of it, but 7,000 supposedly were reportedly murdered in Thessalonica. And the and Ambrose, it was unjust. It was an unjust execution or slaughter. It was a genocide. And the emperor, uh, the Theodosius, was blocked from receiving Holy Communion for several months. Um I think it was what seven months it said here. Um, yeah, um, eight months, eight months, 
And he wasn't allowed to receive Holy Communion. He had to do penance for eight months. Uh, but none. But you, you'll, you'll never get one, one of these men to ever take that leap of excommunicating this this Theodosius, this uh, meaning Biden. No, you'll never get them because look at look at look at someone like Nancy Pelosi. She's not. I mean, Gomez and, and she's in San Francisco. She's right there in California. All right. They will will they ever excommunicate her? No, she's she's been allowed to run around free. They don't want to do it. These men don't want to do it. There are those, not just Cardinal Supic and other radicals, but well-meaning moderates who will say that the Catholic leaders should not create a rift between the Episcopate and the Catholic president, instead seeking to collaborate on those areas in which Mr. Biden does not reject the authoritative teachings of the Holy Mother Church. But it is the president's professed Catholic faith that makes a direct response from the church to so vital, not just because the church has clear authority over Biden on matters of faith and morals, but because the evil he does while touting and flaunting his Catholicism is effectively done in the name of Catholic faith. The scandal caused thereby is grave as damaging to the church's ability to function as a moral force in this country as it is to this country's hopes of functioning morally. In a briefing the very same day that this occurred, Biden's press, press secretary, Jen Pesky, Pes, uh, Pes, Pesaski, I can't pronounce it, was asked by a Catholic journalist what the newly inaugurated president planned to do about the Hyde Amendment, which restricts the federal funding for abortion, and the Mexico City policy, which restricts U.S. funding for abortion overseas. Pa, uh, Pesaski managed not to answer the question, but she did provide us with this gem. I will just take the opportunity to remind all of you that Biden is a devout Catholic and somebody who attends church regularly. So what? For crying out loud, the man supports abortion. He married two, he, he performed two homosexual marriages. How does that make him a devout Catholic? All of a sudden, he's a devout Catholic. All of a sudden... It's okay for him to be Catholic, but when 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 Trump is in office, it's not okay for Catholics. Nancy Pelosi and all these other they say that because Catholics voted for pro life, that it grieves her. This is a woman who who flaunts that she has had five kids. And this guy goes around saying that he's a devout Catholic and carries a rosary in his pocket. Nancy Pelosi hated Trump so much, all right? But of course, she she insisted that she has love in her heart. I mean, for crying out loud, the hypocrisy of how they use Catholicism and how they use religion. Both sides love to weaponize religion. Oh my, my goodness, what, you know, unbelievable hypocrisy. All right, let's continue. In a, in a saner time, pointing out that the president is devout Catholic in response to a question about the slaughter of innocents will be an, will be an obvious implicit answer against. In our own upside-down world, is taken as a cover for the fact that our devout Catholic president intends to support such evil in any way he can. Biden is gearing up for a massive wipeout of the United States, already eager restrictions on a uh, already meager restrictions on abortion. On any time we object, we will be reminded that there is nothing wrong here. The president is no abortion fanatic. He is a devout Catholic. Already, the line has been trouted out more than once and it will provide ample coverage for the merchants of death during the four years that their Catholic friend occupies the Oval Office. If there's any problem with the USCCB statement, it's precisely the opposite of those imagined by Supich and other Biden apologists. A stronger stand might have managed to nip such radical, r ridiculous gaslighting in, in the bud. Yeah. All right. So, why? 
I said it before, I believe it's racism. I believe it's eugenics. Biden and Pelosi use abortion as a eugenics, meaning they don't want certain populations to be around. Remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ruth Ginsburg, she actually did say this in, might have been Vanity Fair, one of the magazines, that she never really thought it was about a woman's right to choose. She felt it was because there were a certain population of people we don't want around. We don't want too much of them, which means it's people of color, brown people, black people, that they want to cut the population down. Okay, and that's what I believe Biden and Nancy Pelosi why they're so insistent. Pelosi keeps flouting to everybody that, you know, she shows off that I gave birth to five kids. Okay, so what? Okay, um, Marshall has a lot of kids. Tim Gordon has a lot of kids. I have no kids. I'm not married. But the point I'm trying to say here is that I believe for her, she has a right to have a lot of kids. But certain population of people should not have a lot of kids because they're not socially acceptable. It's eugenics. It's racism. I'll say it. I believe Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are a bunch of people that look that believe that there should not be a population of people that other kind of people too much of. We don't want too many of them. Nobody wants to say it, but that's that's what it is. All right. Let's go to another article. Okay, another article by Crisis Magazine. The first one was by Crisis Magazine. Now we have this one. Again, it's January 22nd, 2021. Monica Milganero Miller, Biden, the bishops, and the new face of Catholicism. Honestly, I would say it's counterfeit Catholicism. The Catholic Church in America... Uh, has been thrust into a new and unprecedented crisis, namely the election of Joseph Biden to the presidency. If not dealt with, prop, uh, with properly, Biden's presidency will cause a serious damage to the very truth of what it means to be Catholic. Of course, I'm referring to the fact that while Biden professes the Catholic faith, he fully supports legalized abortion, same-sex marriage, and transgenderism and uh, a vow that he will do all he can to advance these causes during his administration. Never, nonetheless, Biden's practice of Catholicism will be on display for the whole world to observe as he attends mass and receives Holy Communion. The impact of pro-abortion Catholic president was not lost on Washington Post religion reporter uh, Michelle uh, Burstein, when in her December 9th article, she uh, she wrote, I'm sorry, she wrote Catholicism. Burstein quotes uh, Jade Henricks, who having once head up, headed up the bishop's office of government relations, proclaimed almost as a warning that if the bishops do not address Biden's opposition to God-given right to life, among other issues, President Biden can redefine the perception of what it is to be a Catholic in good standing. In other words, uh, Biden will, will, will essentially be in charge of what it means to be a practicing Catholic, rendering the authority of the bishops impotent and irrelevant. However, the USCCP has already created a working committee headed by Archbishop Alan Vigneron of Detroit, whose task is to determine how the church will deal with the difficult and complex situation of the Biden administration that the Biden administration will present. Let me stop right here. I don't believe that's going to happen. This is what I'm going to say this. Okay. First and foremost, that they're not addressing the divide between the clergy and lay Catholics. Biden will, Biden, people will see right through his phoniness. No one is going to let him get away with this. I am certainly not letting him get away with this. 
Okay, the bishops have already lost their credibility and they're already impotent. Majority of them are already impotent. Who has been, who has taken charge? Remember what Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen said, the venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen said. It is will be us, the lay Catholic, that will have to save the church. Okay? Not the bishops. The bi- there will be some good clergy. There are good clergy. There are good bishops. There are some good, cl- very few good, good Catholic priests, good bishops, good deacons, good nuns. They, 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 are you know, Crisis Magazine and the others. They, they put, they, they don't understand. The bishops have already lost their credibility. They have already lost. They lost that a long time ago. Okay, they have lost it a long time. Who has been in charge of the life to uh, life movement, the pro life movement? You got people like Father Frank Provone, who who's working by himself on YouTube. I don't know how much time he has left on YouTube. You have people like him who speak out, and then you have also, on the other hand, you have someone like James Martin who represents that floozy fake Catholicism. All right, and you have people like Cardinal Supich who represents fake Catholicism. You have people like you have bishops like Cardinal Walton Gregory who represents fake Catholicism. You have even like other, I mean, for crying out loud, so many of them. All right, I mean, even Bishop Barron, who's a wishy washy bishop in many cases. I mean, they're wrong. If anything, if lay Catholic is going to come forward and point to his, to, to point to his fake Catholicism, Joe Biden will not define what being a Catholic is. He will not. If anything, like Bishop Fulton Sheen said, it's the lay Catholic that will save the faith. Okay. Let's continue. Biden can can attempt to defend his brand of Catholicism by wrapping himself in the cloak of Pope Francis pontificate. And at least some Catholic groups like Catholics for Biden, for example, have attempted to drape that cloak upon him. Biden can exploit Francis's emphasis on mercy, compassion, and forgiveness over adherence to doctrine, characterized as rigid and uh, pharisaical. He can exploit a more inclusive church that makes room for those who, for whatever reason, cannot accept or live up to the demands of the gospel. Exactly. This person, she's very good. Biden, however, cannot really hide behind Francis. The Pope has been consistently outspoken regarding the evil of abortion as part of a throwaway culture. For instance, in his 2014 address to the Italian Movement for Life, Francis stated human life is sacred and in, in, inviolable. Every civil, every civil right is based on the recognition of the first fundamental right, the right to life, which is not su- subject to any condition of a qualitative, economic, and certainly not of an ideological nature. As certainly as January 2020, Francis expressed agreement with the U.S. bishops, identifying the protection of the unborn as a preeminent priority. The bishops' working committee can thus easily demonstrate that Biden is advocacy and felicitation of abortion is hardly consistent with the vision of Pope Francis. Now, look, I I struggle with Pope Francis all the time because he says one thing and then he says another thing. I, if Pope Francis, Pope Francis, unfortunately, um, he says a lot of things, unfortunately, that often don't stick. I mean, yes, if he's, I've heard this. Yes, he did speak for against abortion but unfortunately it gets lost and francis says a lot of things that get lost because he can say one thing as like tim gordon says he can say 
uh, you look, he says one good thing, and then he says one bad thing. But when you look back, he says a lot of contradictory bad things. So unfortunately, this is something Pro Francis has has to work on. I think is a little too late. All right, let's continue. However, on November 24th, 2020, just one week after the working committee was formed, Cardinal Walton Gregory of Washington, D.C. declared that he would not refuse Holy Communion to Biden. His pastoral approach, of course, signaled that Biden is a good Catholic and is a, uh, and as a kind of preemption made it more difficult for the working committee to come to a different conclusion. Gregory justified Biden's continued access to the reception of the Holy Eucharist by categorizing the then president-elect's support for abortion as merely as a disagreement that comes with being a family or a family of faith, being a family in a family of faith. He stated that the difficulty is too many people want to throw out the family of faith, of faith people with whom they have disagreements. This is this is such a a such a pathetic dodge. It's unbelievable. It's a pathetic dodge. It sounds like something Walton Gregory would say. Um. By categorizing Biden's support for legal abortion as a mere disagreement, the cardinal completely trivialized the gravity of of the injustice inflicted upon abortion. He even trivialized the, the, the Eucharist. Never mind that. He basically just threw our Lord under the bus. Okay. Um, okay, trivialized uh, the gravity of the injustice of inflicting upon the, um, of the unborn. Injustice against this victim class was reduced to a mere issue, an idea, a philosophical concept subject over which there can be a different of opinion, differences of opinion but abortion is not any of these things abortion is not an abstraction abortion is 62 billion dead people the conflict here is not just about what biden believes which is bad enough it is about what biden does his moral actions that directly cause grave evil No. Oh boy, and it's just it's just unbelievable when you think about it, and you think about how they they it's so easy for them that they don't want to defend the honor of our Lord. You know, the other day I was listening, I watched a film Beckett, and Saint Thomas Beckett fell in love with the honor of God over the honor of the King. They can't, they don't seem to think our Lord deserves honor and respect. They don't seem to understand that. They don't understand that these actions that they're doing and they're priests, they're consecrated priests. They have, their hands have been consecrated to handle the sacred, the sacred, the sacred species, the, the, the body and blood of our Lord to say mass. And it's so easy for them. That they're, that they want to be safe. That it's it's. They, I don't think they believe. I don't think they really believe. I think these men just don't believe, and because they don't believe, the church suffers, and the church suffers. So does the culture and society suffers. It's just. I'm sorry. It's just really, you know. The more you study the faith, the more the faith becomes a reality. And I I don't think they understand that. That they they really don't understand that. Gregory noted that while vice president for eight years, Biden attended mass and received Holy Communion, and Gregory was not going to veer from that. Here, however, is exactly the center of the problem. The church is burdened with a legacy she herself created since the time of Roe versus Wade. Pro-abortion Catholic politicians, with minor exceptions, have remained undisciplined by, by the bishops, thus with complete impunity. They, they file into communion line and receive the body of Christ. Indeed, the die was cast the day Roe Ro versus Wade was handed down, and Catholic Supreme Court Justice William Brannan, who sided with the majority, received no ecclesia, ecclesial discipline. Not only did Brannan vote for Roe, he was the chief architect of that ruling, which opened up the floodgates of death. When he died in 1997, he was buried as a Catholic in good standing from St. Matthew's Cathedral. 
What's expected of Catholics in a public office was first clearly laid out in 1974 Vatican Declaration on Procured uh, procure Abortion, Article 22. It, mu- it must in any case be clearly understood that whatever may be laid down by civil law in this matter, in this matter, man can never obey a law which is in itself immoral, and that such is the case of, of a law which would admit, in principle, the lessity of a lessity of abortion. Nor can he, nor can he take part in a pro- propaganda campaign in favor of such a law or vote for it. Moreover, he may not collaborate in its application. Well, that's a little too late for that, isn't it? Canon 915 of the Catholic Code of Canon Law is quite clear that those absently preserving in manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. Indeed, in ecclesial sanctioning of Biden, the bishops face several obstacles. It will appear that Biden is being singled out. This problem can be overcome by public statement that all Catholic politicians who facilitate abortion are not to present themselves for communion. But as the Catholic pro-abortion, pro-same-sex marriage president of the United States, Biden presents the church with a unique case upon taking national office and indeed entering the international stage. Biden is now the most visible example of Catholicism practiced by politician. Thus, the negative consequences will affect the entire church, not merely his local bishop. Another huge obstacle is the extreme criticism and misunderstanding that will be heaped upon the bishops should they act. Biden will be presented by the... uh, um, by the organ of secular world as a victim of a narrow medieval-minded church, wielding his antiquated weapon of excommunication, which can be done to mitigate such an attack. Not much except that the bishops must explain the need for such discipline with precise and clear catechesis. The three points below may provide for some clear uh, articulation. In receiving communion, Biden provides a bad example to others. His reception of the Eucharist misleads others to to conclude the the facilitation of the death of the unborn. It is compatible with the practical of Catholic faith, thus causing scandal to believers and to those outside the church as well. His participation in a form of genocide, teaches others that the weak and vulnerable are expendable members of society. Biden's soul is at stake when he receives the Eucharist while in support of of laws that slaughter the unborn. He speaks a spiritual lie. By doing so, he manifests a lack of personal moral integrity for which he is responsible. St. John teaches the person who claims to be in the light Hating his brother all the while is in darkness, even now. First John chapter 2, verse 9. Abortion is a form of hatred towards one's fellow man. Exactly. It's, it's based on the root of racism. I believe abortion is hatred. Hatred for lower class. Hatred for people in poverty. Hatred for people because they come from another race. I truly believe this is what it is. It's this is exactly what it is. To receive the body and blood of Christ while des- de- uh, desecrating the sacred humanity of the unborn constitutes sacrilege. It contradicts what it means to be united to Christ in the Eucharist. Support for abortion wounds Christ in his brothers and sisters, as Jesus teaches. Wh- whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do to me. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. One cannot desecrate the body of the unborn and receive the body of Christ. In, 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 uh, it's just staggeringly uh, sacrilege. It's a sacrilege. All right. Biden's election has brought the church 
in America to a special a special moment, and it is a moment that the leaders of the church must not avoid confronting. If we are to hope that the, tr- the truth will ever be spoken, that those who facil- facilitate the killing of the innocent and receive the Eucharist, Eucharist sin against the body and blood of Christ. They commit sin against our Lord. The, then only two things are necessary. First, the bishops must have the conviction that something needs to be done. And second, they must have the fortitude to do it. Biden's presidency will deeply burden the efforts of the pro-life movement. The future promises to be dark, but this darkness will be quite bleak if Biden is permitted to define the new Catholicism. If there ever was a need for the prophetic voice of Christ, it is now. She's very good. Monica Milgrano. I'm going to spell her name. Monica, M-O-N-I-C-A. Miglarano, M-I-G-L-I-O-R-I-N-O. And her last and married name is Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R. <clears throat> okay, she's the director of the Citizens of a Pro-Life Society. She holds a degree in theater arts from Southern Illinois University and and graduated degrees in theology from Loyola University and Maricot University. She is the author of several books, including The Theology of the Passion of Christ and most recently, The Authority of Women in the Catholic Church. Interesting. All right, so that's that's one there. Okay, let's see if there's something else. So now we come to another crisis article by Aaron Singh. This one is The Catechism Crisis, January 27, 2021. Okay, so um, this is going to be related to mostly with Pope Francis. And Pope Francis is, I have to say, the height and result of the Vatican II pastoral problem. Francis is absolutely the result. What you see here in America, it's basically now you've taken a homegrown problem, a pastoral problem, because unfortunately this is the thing with Vatican II, it's less to do with doctrine, it's less to do with dogma, it's less to do with discipline, and it's a pastoral problem. Francis is a pastoral pope. And maybe in most cases you could say John Paul II might have been to some extent, but John Paul II really did held the line and try to, along with uh, Benedict XVI, uh, they both tried to. So here, here we're going to see, because they, they tend to coddle weakness. Uh, Francis coddles weakness. He doesn't really demand uh, conversion, really. We are currently witnessing the greatest catechal crisis in the history of the church. In 2018, Pope Francis revised the catechism of the Catholic Church to change its teaching on the death penalty, a controversy that continues to be challenged by cardinals, bishops, priests, and theologians around the world. Good. That but that was just the beginning. In addition to warping the very theology of ordained ministry, in his latest motto proprio, Francis is also on record as intending even more updates to the uh, to that will include changes to its teaching on just war, on just warfare on the on the just warfare and the inclusion of novel languages about ecological sins. You see what I'm saying? He's trying so hard to appease society. He's trying so hard to appease the secular culture. This is all about appeasing secular culture. But notice, he's not taking a hard line on abortion. I mean, he we read what he did, but in many cases, he's not making it the preeminent issue, really. I mean, he's saying, he has to say it because that's what the church says. This whole thing with the death penalty <coughs> is really his own personal opinion. I'm going to say it. It's his own personal opinion. Who knows? The catechism could soon teach us that it's sinful to own an air conditioner. 
Far more troubling, however, is the Pope's recent endorsement of homosexual civil unions, which may, may soon find its way into the Catechism of the Catholic Church. For the Vatican's 22 Directory for Catechesis recently announced is therefore not a, stat, uh, a, statist, a static expression of doctrine, but a dynamic instrument in, the, uh, in 192, thus making it subject to perpetual revision of whim, whoever wears the white. That's referring to the Pope. Now, you know, the way you see things now, what's happening, like how uh, Biden can easily change something that Trump signs. He'll just have to make a, a uh, an executive order. How one president comes in and another president can go against his executive order and make a new executive order. The same thing's going to happen now with these with these popes. Uh, it seems that the content of the Catechism of the Catholic Church is now entirely up for grabs. The, the clearest acknowledgement of this newfound evolutionary approach is the fact that the Vatican Directory, Directory for Catechesis is itself includes a highly revealing footnote within the section on capital punishment after citing Pope Francis' unprecedented new teaching on the subject. The footnote reads... Um, CC Catechism of the Catholic Church 2267 New Edition August 2018 Imagine that in a bizarre imp uh, imp uh, impersonation of Protestantism Catholics everywhere will now need to own the most current edition of the Catechism in order to ensure that change that changeless teaching of Jesus Christ hasn't suddenly changed under the very feet Oh you have the 1907 edition, sorry, we don't believe that anymore. Check this new edition. Catechism should clarify, never confuse. A development in this way, tinkering with it in whenever, uh, whenever it serves popular opinion or the passing of fancy of liberal elites undermine the usefulness of that particular document. It also causes grave scandal and confusion about the abiding consistency of Catholic doctrine. As a whole, as Raymond Cardinal Burke Prefect Emeritus for the Apostolic Signatoria stated it's, it's so simply, if the chasm can be changed by Francis in this way, where does that leave the infallible teachings of the Church before? That's the whole point. See, that's uh, this is from... Um, Marian Catechist Weekend, July 21st, 2019. Indeed, as St. Paul reminds us, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8. The doctrine that our Lord entrusted in his apostles does not change from age to age or place to place. This is why the, the latter part of the 19th century, the first Vatican Council, thundered against any who would seek to alter Catholic teaching to suit modern sensibilities. The doctrine of the of the faith which God has revealed is put forward not as some philosophical discovery capable of being perfected by human intelligence, but as a divine deposit committed to the spouse of Christ for the faithful protected and infallibly promulgated Die Filius, chapter 4. Uh, even, even so, because catechisms are not infallible documents in themselves, the Vatican's new approach of constantly revising the catechism will be highly affected in misleading those who still innocently believe that the catechism is the authoritative teaching of the Catholic Church. Orthodoxy, an inherent compodium of Catholic faith and moral teaching. Well, this is the new this this is unfortunately a pastoral problem. It's a pastoral thing. The pastoral nonsense uh because they they are they are a lot of them are badly formed on a seminarian level. And a lot and a lot of there's a lot of people in a seminary teachers, especially professors and teachers, who seem to think they can do this. Um, 
well, I mean, let me finish this because this is really, it's a sad thing, but this is, this is the reason why you have problems with Joe Biden, uh, with the, with the abortion issue, with the homosexual issue, with the, now the environment issue, with transgender issue. This is the problem because it's the pastoral problem. And if there is the problem as the church has lost its grip, it has lost its ability to lead because something went wrong. Um, the, Documents of Vatican II are not, not are not the problem. There are some of them that may have a little weaknesses here and there, but that could always be corrected. The problem is, is an ideology has snuck in. Um, activism has snuck in. Okay, a good example is James Martin. A good example is remember what Bishop Barron with his reasonable hope that all men will be saved. That's the problem right there, is that they, they're afraid to speak the truth. It's the pastoral problem. Secular society has now taken the grounds on the moral issue. You can't say this, it's offensive, it's politically incorrect, you can't speak this. It has put a, 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 um, a muzzle on the conservative to make matters worse, there are innumerable local and regional catechisms, textbooks and teaching aids that are modeled on the CC, uh, that is the main catechism of the Catholic Church, using it as a ch their chief point of reference. All these must be updated as well. For example, the U.S. Bishop's Catholic Catechism for Adults, having been recently revived to match the, main, the, the, uh, the catechism of the Catholic Church, latest evolution on capital punishment, was rather embarrassingly admitted by Bishop Robert Barron of Los Angeles as employing eloquent ambiguity in its teaching, as if the purpose of a catechism was to confuse rather than to clarify the teaching of Christ and his church, a true catechism crisis, if ever there was one. The doctrinal instability of inherent in the USCC, uh, in the catechism of Catholics, so many other texts that rely on it, has left men and women, both inside and outside the church, wondering if these more recent catechisms are unreliable or are there any older catechisms that's, that, would, that we should turn to instead. Well, I'm going to end it here. I think I'm going to end it. I'm just going to... This is, this is something that... Um, <laughs> the simplest answer is yes, all of them are... Uh, have a problem now. For many Catholics are surprised to learn that thousands of different cases have been issued by the church's teaching office throughout the centuries, and these display remarkable continuity of teaching from one to another. But such continuity ought not surprise us. Christ committed his church a single defined body. Okay. Okay. We should expect this doctrine to pursue not only decades, but entire centuries. In other words, there should not be changes. But the problem is, there has been. There, 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 there's been a change. And this is reflected in the pastoral problem. The pastoral problem. A lot of these guys don't know how to... I mean, come on. How many of us go to Mass? Do you hear sin? Do you, they don't want to rock, they're afraid to say anything about abortion. They're afraid to say anything about homosexuality. They're afraid to say anything about adultery. They're afraid to say anything about, about hell. Do you ever hear purgatory being talked about? Do you ever hear any orthodoxy being talked about? No, that's the problem. When, when Catholic bishops spread across the nation throughout the centuries, offer ununified voice, um, um, I'm sorry, a unified voice to their teaching office in the catechism, uh, officially approved by them. This is an authentic expression of universal ordinary magisterium. It is an organ of infallibility, an effective antidote in our own time against the erroneous notion of long since condemned by the church that dogma can, can evolve, cannot evolve. A recollection and renewal of these traditional catechisms the perennial catechism, as it were, can offer a reliable reference point to Catholic today. To Catholics today, we are too often confused and scandalized by the ambiguities and errors of many prelates, written for every level of age. Understanding the catechism of yesterday offers a clarifying 
stabilizing force in our age to confusion and upheaval, a sure reference point for any Catholic wishing to learn the faith and hand it to others. If I may be so bold, this is precisely the vision behind the project I'm involved in, in the nonprofit Tradvox. Tradvox is currently working to research, restore, and republish scores of these priceless catechisms from the last millennium as one cohesive series. The Tradvox Catholic Catechism Index, a project that, in the words of Bishop Joseph Strickland, promises to be a treasury of truth and tradition that is desperately needed in the world today. In a time even prelates of the highest rank may falter in handing on the, the, the truth of the Catholic faith and morals, Catholics should seek to follow the perennial catechism of bishops and councils from across space and time and allow them to speak for themselves. He has ears, let him hear. He that has ears, let him hear. So let's check this out here. That's as as Bishop Fulton Sheen said. We may have to. Uh, it it would be the lay people that will save the faith. So, aha, it's a book. Okay, let's what what do we have here. Catholic Catechism Index. Wow, they have uh, four volumes. Interesting. So it come it's come down to this. It's come down to the fact that it's come down to the fact that lay people are going to have to do. We're going to have to shift through what the uh, what the so-called trendy Catholicism that we have now, the so-called Catholicism that's sensitive to the culture and not 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 in the sense that that just doesn't want to uh, acknowledge the truth because this is the problem, like I said. It's pastoral. It's because they're too close to the culture and they're not close enough to the faith. They want to appease and please the culture. That's the problem. I mean, the Council of Trent Catechism is still is, is good. I have a copy of it. Uh, I have some copies of the, old, of the catechism. I don't think it's updated yet, but um, it looks like I might have to be careful now. I can't buy the new catechism. Um, it looks like we're going to have to look to other places to learn the faith. Um, I don't know what to say. I think I think where uh, Francis is creating a disaster. Sorry to say that. He's you know he's going to leave us with a disaster. He really he I think he, whatever experiences he went through in Argentina has influenced him has influenced him, has uh, made him think the faith has to change. He believes in evolving Catholicism. He probably also believes in an evolving Christ, maybe. Who knows? I'm going to leave it here. And, um, well, we're just going to have to uh, pray. Pray what we're going to go through. I mean, I don't know. We're just going to have to pray. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. I want to, again, name this young man here, um, Aaron Singh. Uh, Sing. Um, I'll spell his name. A-A-R-O-N-S-E-N-G. Aaron Singh is the president of Trad, Tradivox. Uh, uh, I'll spell it for you. T-R-A-D-I-V-O-X. General editor of the Catholic Catechism Index. Sophia Institute Press. Okay, so I looked at this... Uh, uh, Tradvox. Uh, let me look at it again. This look uh, you got here, uh, Bishop Schneider here. Um, okay, I invite 
the faithful, and the entire world to support this historic effort as we seek to restore the perennial catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, this is uh, interesting. It's basically, it looks like it's going to be a four-volume series of, of Catholic teaching, and it's going to be very interesting to see. We're probably going to hear more about it in the future. Um, like it's, it seems to be, it, that's what it seems to be. I think it's going to, the catechism is going to have itself a competition. Um, so anyway, let me just say the, um, St. Michael in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit, St. Michael, archangel of God, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. God bless and be well.